<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore! Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. I got a great guest for you today. Dr. Paul Toomey is a surgeon, an oncologic surgeon, a general surgeon, and his hill to die on is helping support rural and private practices with their hiring and their culture and making sure that people who are working in these extraordinarily difficult, oftentimes stressful settings are there for the people in the waiting room who just want to get great care and have personalized conversations and feel seen as people and not data and not biology. This guy reached out to me cold call on LinkedIn. I fell in love with what he's working on. And he started a company called Ring of Hires, which is like a matchmaker for medical practices to find people that are looking for positions just like these and to vet them and, and give them like a soft landing into great jobs. We went through the obvious shenanigans. We're like, how'd you get into surgery? What's your favorite organ? Ha ha ha. And, you know, you're saving lives every day. The fleeing to private practice from the chokeholds of the system, the pandemic, burnout, and suicide. Like, really serious conversations. But this man is in the thick of it. He also is married to an OBGYN, so medicine's in his entire family's DNA. And there's a quick Easter egg about why the hell are we still using fax machines? Enjoy the show. Dr. Paul Toomey, welcome to Out of Patience. Well, thank you so much, Matthew. You know, I, I have a penchant for people that name things after stores in the mall and the Simpsons. So, Ring of Hires, you had me at hello on your LinkedIn hello. <laughs> well, you know, it's more about Ring of Fires and, and Johnny Cash, isn't it? Of course. I mean, anyone that, <laughs> anyone that channels the I've Been Everywhere guy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I hadn't thought too much of the Simpsons. Well, it's like the Leptorium and the Tooth Be Told Dentistry. Like every store in The Simpsons is like a funny idiom, and this is perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we get into all of that, I wanted to uh, ask you the question I ask all people that claim to be doctors on my show is, are you the kind of doctor that when someone on an airline says, is there a doctor in the house, you can help? Well, well, I have a recent story about this one. Um, so I have two uh, daughters. They're eight and 11, Savannah and Madeline. And, uh, and my wife is also a physician, OBGYN. So we were flying. Oh, this wasn't too long ago, maybe a few months ago. And the way it works is because there's four of us, the three of them sit next to each other and I sit in front of them. And someone announced while I was watching a movie is there a doctor on board? No, they weren't in a lot of distress. It seemed like it was kind of a routine thing. But but nonetheless, I paused for a second. I'm like, I don't know if I want to answer. 
but within a few seconds, my my older daughter, Savannah, taps me on the shoulder and say, hey, dad, they're calling for a doctor. So I, I didn't have a choice even to, to not respond. Um, so my wife and I went and responded, and it, it was a, a guy that was throwing up on the plane. So my wife was being a doctor and asking doctor questions like, do you, you know, you have any past medical history, have any medical problems we need to know about? Whereas I, I turned the, to the, <laughs> the uh, flight attendants and I say, hey, uh, do you guys have any towels so I can help them clean up? Um, so, <laughs> uh, you know, my, mine was more of a practical stance of, uh, Hey, this guy's uh, healthy. I can tell he's not sick. Uh, uh, like chronically he's just, you know, under the weather today, it looks like. So he, he was just fine. And, uh, everybody was very gracious and it was, it was a, it was a, a very nice in the end. And, and I guess I'll have to just jump up, uh, from now on. Cause either way, my, my daughter's going to sell me out. Yeah. You were outed. <laughs> <laughs> totally out of by your daughter. My dad's a doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of people on the show that talk about how, you know, they're a PhD in, you know, whatever it is, like, uh, you know, uh, music or, or something. And, oh, not that kind of doctor is like the name <laughs> of their show. Sorry, not that kind of doctor. No, I am that the kind of doctor. I'm a general surgeon. So, you know, I, I did operations this morning and uh, and I operate uh, very frequently. Uh, very high volume practice, and and my wife, who's an OBGYN, is now retired. Believe it or not, uh, after a couple, you know ten years of practicing, so so it's kind of an interesting time for us, and, and we're very happy and blessed. Being a surgeon is is no small potatoes. That takes a lot of time and training, and you know people's lives are in your hands. How does it feel to? I don't know. Have you ever held someone's organ in your hand and say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I had the evil laugh, but, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I have had my students, for instance, uh, I take pictures of them with, uh, with, uh, an organ in the, in their hands so that they could send their, to their mom, you know, whatever pathology you were sending to, to the pathologist. But, uh, but no, I, you know, we, after a while you're just, it's so it's, it's just what we do. Right. And so it's, uh, we try to have fun with it. Uh, you know, try, try to, uh, you know, make every day uh, uh, special for the, the patients, you know, every day. What, what's interesting is being a doctor is that, you know, we're used to this, but your patient, it's, they're not used to it. And if you're ever on that side, uh, and I have been a patient before, you realize how, how nerve wracking it is. And it's, it's very novel to you and you don't know what's going to come. So, so, so I get to appreciate both sides for sure. I just remember after my neurosurgery back in 1996, uh, he came to visit me in the hospital after I was out of the NICU. And my first words to him were, you touched my brain. <laughs> now, what type of cancer did you have? I had something called the medulloblastoma. It's a pediatric oh, neuroendocrine yes. tumor, congenital. And it started to present symptoms when I was 21, which is rare for that particular pathology to affect someone like 10 years after it normally presents. Yeah. Well, too bad they didn't keep you awake and start touching different things. And, and you, oh, you, I smell that. Or, you know, have you ever seen those shows? I've seen those shows <laughs> like guys are playing guitar during open brain surgery. And like, That's they, right, they, like yeah. this one made the chord minor and this one made him sound like Hendrix. And this one is crazy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So why surgery? That That's the most intense Hippocrates ever. I had a bet with someone in high school that we both wanted to be neurosurgeons at the time, and we both wanted to go to Duke for undergrad. I went to Duke undergrad, and I became a general surgeon. Uh, she went to Clemson and uh, became an architect. So I think I won that bet. <laughs> um, 
but uh, you know, it's it's just a matter of I've uh, I've done well in school, you know, growing up, and and I always wanted to do something with my hands, something physical, um, not just mental. You know, I like computer programming. I did a lot of that, you know, growing up, but but uh, but it just it, it didn't have the same satisfaction of doing something physically. So I, I knew I wanted to do something physical. But when you do training, you try to see if if any of the the types of of subspecialties fit and and just general surgery was the, the the right fit for me well you didn't just win against your friend you won against me because i went to undergraduate in biomedical engineering oh yeah me too and <laughs> i was in a five-year master's program and honestly organic chemistry three done me in at 7 a.m at the oh, lecture hall yeah. I, like, I can't it was like the litmus test of which kids are really serious about this <laughs> this degree it, and it yeah, really is so yeah. you you I, I admire you for keeping on <laughs> For those, your version of those 7 a.m. organic chemistry classes. Yeah, the, the, definitely it's a weed out class, uh, whether it's Orgo 1 or Orgo 2, uh, both of them are terrible. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a necessary step just to get through. Another question I'd like to ask my medical professional friends is how long did it take you to get immune to formaldehyde? <laughs> I don't think I'm immune to it yet. You, you know, whenever you... Uh, do so, you know. At least in my training, we we did have a cadaver lab, and uh, I don't think I ever really got used to it there. Um, you know, I see formaldehyde almost every day when they're putting the specimen in it, but I don't have to smell it. Luckily, but I, I don't think I'm still used to it. What was that movie where uh, was it Revenge of the Nerds or Ferris Bueller, where they go into the anatomy lab and the professor's like just plucking organs out of this guy's body? <laughs> I don't remember in Ferris Bueller, that's for sure. But, uh, but yeah, it's uh, the, the cadaver lab is you know they're doing a lot of virtual ones these days. But uh, but it is it, it's it's very eerie. And uh, I'll tell you, even even more eerie is when I had to do my trauma um, cadaver where it's just a torso. That's that's really freaky. Just um, like so a limbless body. Yeah, just a limbless body, and then the neurosurgeons get the the head, oh, and uh, <laughs> it's just it's a little freaky. So I, I I didn't mind the cadaver lab nearly as much uh, in medical school where it's it's uh, entire body, but uh, but it was it was odd for for just a torso. So I'm going to attempt to pronounce a word I've never said in my entire life, <laughs> and you know what word this is. So listeners, prepare yourself. I'm going to botch this on purpose. Hepatopancreatobiliary. <laughs> yeah, hepatopancreatobiliary surgeon. Yeah. So when I did my training, um, you know, I I did a fellowship and it was in minimally invasive surgery, robotics, uh, single site operations, and then also hepatopancreatobiliary, which rolls off my tongue because I just say it a lot. <laughs> but and so that just means uh, pretty advanced liver and pancreatic operations, um, you know, that you really do need extra training for. And so, yeah, yeah, it's it, it, it's an easy word uh, once you say it a, a few hundred times. I also have here something called advanced foregut lapar laparoscopic and robotic surgery. Yeah. So, so I'm currently the, the president of the Society of Laparoscopic and Robotic Surgery, the SLS. And I do a lot of foregut, which just means kind of the upper abdominal stuff, uh, you know, gallbladders, uh, stomach, and, and things like that. So, 
and and I'm and I'm big on the the robot these days. You know, I've I've done about 800 robotic cases uh, to date, so over the last uh, eight years. So uh, we have a fellowship. We have two fellows that, that just started. Guess what? Uh, August first, um, you know, is is the start date. So it's a brand brand new year it's a cycle for us, and uh, it's exciting time uh, every, every time we get new fellows. All right. So one on one me on robotic surgery. I'm, I think I'm aware of what this is. You, did they give you like ColecoVision joysticks or Nintendo joysticks? <laughs> How does it work? Well, it does help that I am of the age of uh, Nintendo and uh, and I still play Call of Duty with my wife. So you sit next to the patient and I sit in a console and I att- attach to the patient uh, the robotic arms. And so it's uh, – I'll, I'll back up. What's laparoscopic and what's robotic? Because I don't think pe- uh, many, many people know. Laparoscopic is we're operating through little tiny incisions uh, with long chopsticks. And so what's good about the robot is it gives you wrist action on the inside and I get 3D vision because I get a camera for each eye and I sit next to you and the robot does all the work instead of me standing next to you and uh, and doing the laparoscopic stuff. But so so I still do laparoscopic in certain times and I, I wouldn't call myself, I don't like to call myself a robotic surgeon. I, I'm a laparoscopic and robotic surgeon because there, there are times that, that one is better than the other. Um, but uh, but that's what we try to teach our, our fellows is, is it's finished school for, for uh, laparoscopic and robotic surgery. Right. And just for sake of insurance and malpractice, at no point does AI come in and tell you what to do. <laughs> Not yet. Um, no, I, there's, there's two things that are missing in the robot. One is a, a coffee cup holder and two is a uh, automatic pilot. Uh, we don't have those yet. <laughs> so wait, does that mean you've dropped the junior mint into somebody once? <laughs> no, I'm standing. I'm over ne- next to him, so I don't have to drop it in him. <laughs> you could just manually <laughs> toss it in on purpose, then. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. So I would imagine the again with my limited knowledge of how the body is inside the skin, which is messy. A, I learned that not the the organs aren't really colored like they show you in the books. Is that true? That that is true. You know, there are some color differences, and it takes many years to see little subtle differences too. But, but, uh, but it, yeah, it's it's not um, you know paint by color for sure. Yeah, and, and just like I'm in awe of surgery specifically, a because I'm a a, a survivor of brain surgery. The level of intricacies and what you have to go through for prep. Can you talk just just through the the actual day-to-day? Like you're preparing to go inside somebody and save their life and fix things. So much can go wrong, robots notwithstanding perhaps. What is that – how do you prepare for that? You know, it's just experience. The, the more you do, the more you become comfortable. Um, so, you know, our training is very long in general surgery. It's a it's a five-year program, you know, nationwide, uh, which is different na- uh, in, in other nations. But for, for the United States, it's pretty long. Now, with the 80-hour workweek um, restrictions, it, it seems like uh, most people are not completely prepared to go out in the real world until they do a fellowship. So, so it's a, almost an extended uh, residency and fellowship these days of, of six to seven years of training. So, so after your training, you know, you're ready to go, but you more and more and more, you, you get so comfortable doing this that it's, it, it just becomes second nature and, and your skills, uh, you know, are, are, it's, it's just kind of built into us at, the, at this point. All right. So sheer armchair curiosity, what types of surgeries do you perform for what conditions? 
So as a general surgeon, uh, we pretty much do anything in the abdomen, uh, skin, breast. Uh, there are a whole plethora of other ones that we could do. It just depends on on your training and what, what your local uh, local region does. But uh, we even do colonoscopies and endoscopies uh, in certain areas. Uh, but, but for me personally, what I typically do is uh, cancer operations like uh, breast cancer, colon cancer, uh, melanoma, and, uh, and then I do a lot of benign disease like uh, gallbladder bladder disease, uh, inguinal hernias, umbilical hernias, things of the, that nature. Um, but, but as general surgeons, we have a, a wide array of operations that, we, that we're skilled at. So there's a running joke in the cancer world, the dark comedy side of this is how many organs can you live without so you don't get cancer in them? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, there are plenty of double, double organs that we have, you know, so, so, uh, you can believe it or not, you can live without a pancreas, um, but it's not advised and you can live uh, obviously with a, a, any organ that there's two of like your kidneys and your lungs, you, you can live without one of those. Yeah. Like what, let, let's just live without them and 50% <laughs> risk of both getting sick. God, it's such an <laughs> odd prevention, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty invasive to do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So do you have like um like a guilty pleasure organ? I'm just that, that sounded terrible to say that Ooh. out of my out of my mouth. <laughs> but like, do you have like a particular favorite procedure? Oh, I, I you know, if I, I'm asked this a decent amount of times. I would say I, I like the wide array that we get in general surgery. You know, some operations like cardiothoracic surgeons, they have to be, become really skilled at bypass and, and valves. So they, they don't have a wide array. Whereas general surgeons, we're doing so many different things. The main thing is I like minimally invasive operations and I like bigger operations. And so what's good is I can kind of mix and match. Uh, so I have some, you know, like one one or two big operations in a day and a whole bunch of small operations. And, and so that's just fun. Just just to mix it up for me. And just to wrap up before the break, you're saving people's lives. I've had this conversation many times. How hard is it to reconcile that? Or have you, I mean, you've been doing this a long time now. You are holding someone's life in your hands and then they walk away and their life exists because of you. I think we all uh, don't take it lightly that what we do uh, can be life-saving, but but you know, I, I, it's it's part of my job. That's why I'm here. This is what I've always been trained to do. I I, I don't um, I, I don't think of myself as as uh, you know saving lives all the time. Even though this this is a common theme of what we do, but uh, but certainly um, it's a humbling experience every time that that someone's really truly sick and and might not make it. All right. So after the break, listeners, we're going to talk about Paul's work in burnout. You know, the diaspora of doctors, the challenges facing modern day people working in the industry. Um, and I can't believe I said Guilty Pleasure Organ, but I'm going to name the show that. <laughs> well, so we'll be right back after these words from the Guilty Pleasure Organ Foundation. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, Paul, let's get to the root of today's issues. And it's, you know, the pandemic, if anything, revealed so many things. But, I mean, the fact that medical professionals were killing themselves... Like, it seems unimaginable that that would have happened. But then you peel back the onion and you realize, yes, the whole system is completely set up to make you, like, impossible to practice well and have a life. Yeah, you know, we we get a lot of burden with uh, medical documentation and, uh, and, and the business of medicine, if you're in the private practice world, like, like I am, um, in addition to all the patient care that we do. So uh, definitely uh, burnout is real. And, uh, and it's, uh, it, it was especially trying, I'm sure during COVID for, for a lot of uh, different physicians. And so, um, you know, that's, you know, p- part of the, the, the reason that uh, I started a, uh, ring of hires is, is that we were sitting around and I was talking to my office manager. I said, Hey Scott, weren't we going to hire someone like six months ago? And this is 2021. So it's after, you know, during COVID stuff. And, and, uh, he's like, yeah, I keep putting it on. I post it, but you know, I'm not getting that much. And, uh, and so in Florida, there's, there's a lot of real estate or if you're, uh, uh, and so, so when you're looking at real estate, what do you do? You look on Zillow or, or Redfin and, and, uh, and you, you are on a map. And so what I found was, uh, the current system of hiring for medical practices like ours is all about, uh, these lists and you're old enough to remember the classifieds. Well, I am too. Oh, yes. And, and, uh, they are all modern classifieds that are on there. So, so if you post your job today by tomorrow, Tomorrow, your your job's on the second, third, fourth page, whether you're medicine or not. But in the medical world, we we get a lot of turnover in our offices, and uh, and so hiring is is a big deal, and it just detracts from patient care. Um, and then guess what? If you don't have enough people, uh, people uh, are leaving messages that aren't getting called back, and uh, they're, or they're they're upset because their operation hasn't been scheduled on time, and and so th- there's so many facets uh, to hiring and, me- and medical practices that that I wanted to come up with a solution for, and so I made a map based solution uh, ring of hires, and so. Uh, now you can just go on a map essentially and and see all the people that want a job, but then also all the medical jobs in the U.S. Uh, and it's specifically tailored to, to medical practices because we just don't have any solution like this. There's nothing tailored for us. So how do – I mean is this really for anyone in the medical profession or like out of med school? They place you or – like I, I want to know how people are aware of this to take advantage of it. 
Yeah. So, so whether you're job seeking or an employer, it's for you. It's, it's really the matchmaker for medical practices. And, and so if you're coming out of, of training, uh, this is the site for you. You can look all over the nation for, for any type of medical job. You know, my focus uh, over the next three to six months is really small medical practices, the other Paul Toomey's of the world, because, you know, there's 200,000 medical practices like mine are, uh, across the U.S. And, and much like the economy, the backbone is the small, small, small businesses, the, the small medical practices are kind of like the backbone of, of the medical community uh, in the U.S. And so that's my focus is to, to make it so that small practices are much better because, you know, patients prefer small practices because they get more time with their physicians. They, they get their phone calls answered a little bit more uh, uh, quickly. Um, their, their waiting times are, are not as bad. And so we we really need to save the small medical practices in the U.S. and, and not just become all big systems. Well, it, it reeks of the parallels with the local pharmacist conundrum, too. So, so tell, tell me more your thoughts on it. Well, I mean, there's a different level of trust. There's a different level of like, you know, the, the bartender knows your name when you get there. Um, they can be a little more intimate in getting to know you and not just what's wrong with you, per se. Am I am I I guess am I on yeah. track with this? Yeah. So pharmacy specifically is also on there. And uh, it's funny you say that because, yeah, we have a local one that they will, you know, they're right down the street from my office and they deliver my wife's medication to my office, which, you know, I'm like, why are you making me get your medication? But, you know, whatever. But (laughs) the small, the small the ph- small pharmacists are, um, you, you know, like they, they really do get to know you by, by even first name and, uh, uh, basis. So, so it's, uh, it, it's a very interesting, uh, dynamic with small practices, small pharmacists, uh, we, we've got surgery centers, we've got, you know, all these smaller entities, uh, you know, the patients really, uh, get, get a heartfelt feel, uh, whenever they, they talk to the people there. Has there really been a boom in private practice because a lot of medical professionals are fleeing the big systems that are kind of like choke holding them? You know, it's an interesting dynamic because uh, the, if you read the news, the, the trend is the opposite way. You know, we start out with, you know, our five years of training and we finish all that. And guess what, how much business of medicine we get? Uh, none. And so it's very hard. Most people think to, to start a medical practice. So, so there are a lot of people going to the hospitals who are more than willing to hire people now. But, but what I'm seeing is that they, they're, they're short lived. It's, it's usually a couple year contract and then they leave and then someone else comes. And so if you really want like a stable, surgeon in an area, it seems like at least here locally, uh, the, the medical practices are the way to go that are, that are smaller, that you can kind of manage yourself. So what are some of the, I mean, <laughs> the classified heads, I'll just go back to being old, you know, that you run, like wh- what are the types of jobs that you're helping these practices to fill? Yeah. So, uh, you know, in my practice, the, the main thing is, you know, we have front desk, back desk receptionists. Um, we have medical coder billers. We have uh, medical assistants. Uh, there's nurse practitioners, physician assistants. Uh, even the surgeons can, can be found here. So it's, it's the entire practice. And, and the main thing for us is it's, it's not just about hiring, but it's also making your, your office happy. You know, if your if your office is happy, you have pleasant patients because it all runs down to them. And so we've created also uh, something called Campfire, 
and it's uh, it's built off of uh, AI, but it's an automated process that – have you ever heard of state interviews? No, I've not. Tell me no. more. So cor- big corporations every quarter or end of the year, instead of uh, just exit interviews, they'll, they'll do what are called state interviews. And, and it's essentially open-ended questions like, what makes you come to work today? Or, you know, what's the most mundane thing that you, you do at work that you wish you never had to do again? You know, it's, it's really getting a feel of where they, f- they are in, in, in their practice or, or in their corporation and whether they're going to be there long term or if this is a short term or if there's some sort of intervention we can do. So we've, we've created an automated process that will do that, not quarterly, more like uh, once every couple of weeks. Just feeling out your practice, getting the pulse of your practice, and then and we call it campfire for a reason because you think of a campfire like everybody's sitting around, everybody's warm, cozy, everybody's chatting. Like that's how you want your practice to be, and so so we can give marshmallows too, right? We can give attaboys to to the practice that you can't as a physician sometimes. What's interesting is. I used to do this and I didn't even know about state interviews. I used to do this with my, my staff, but the problem was is that I'm the boss man, right? So no one wants to tell you if there's a problem. Right. <laughs> but what, what, we're, what we built was we have an AI in the background, so it's completely anonymous now. And so there's not going to be any names. There's not going to be, it's just, it's trying to figure out, like, are you guys happy? Like, uh, what's your happiness score in your, in your office? And so it's a, it's, it's a fun concept that we've been playing with. And, and, uh, and so it's not just about hiring, but it's hiring people that stay and are happy. Well, it also speaks to, you know, you go to the doctor, like you're a regular Joe, you go to the doctor and you forget that this is also customer service as well as medical care. So one might not conflict corporate culture with a family practice, but that is really how do you keep the harmony, the morale? Uh, it sounds like this is helping to to address that and and hopefully keep it keep everything happy, right? Absolutely, and you know, in small practices, you're like a family, like in any other small business, you really have this feel of hey, this is my my family away from home, and uh, and so uh, patients feel that they they really understand uh, that. The front desk person is going to know them by name. They're they're going to walk them back personally, and, and it's not just a machine. Um, and and it truly is customer service. You know what we do every single day is is take care of the patients, and and they're our customers. You know I, I you know uh, I'm there for them. If you ask anyone what their most mundane chore is in a job like this, and they don't say unjamming the printer, they're not human. <laughs> Well, you know, like you got to flip up that one little panel and grab, grab it out and pull, you know, (laughs) it's such a pain, isn't it? Um, But uh, I don't know there. I think there are some other mundane things, but uh, let's go back to the organ that you were talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Which one's your favorite? Yeah. (laughs) Right. I'm a big fan of the appendix because you don't need it. And it's also called an appendix. Yeah, I do like like the appendix because I like taking it out because it doesn't take long and it cures the problem. They feel so much better right after. So I do like taking out an appendix, that's for sure. All right, I have a Gen X softball question for you. Why the hell are there still fax machines? Oh, good question. You know, there are like virtual fax machines, so I, I don't understand why, why we have to live in this, but there are just – there's too too many antiquated processes that are still tied to it, and uh, I I don't have the answer uh, to that one. I, I wish we could get rid of the fax machine for sure. Well, I did get rid of beepers in my in my practice. Oh my god! Well, you know the drug deals kind of faded. That one cocaine went away. 
<laughs> Wait, cocaine's still around. I just had a patient that was positive. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, not plugging cocaine, folks, but hey, no, here to no. stay, I suppose. No, I can't operate. I don't like it. No. I want to talk about some of the successes you've found because, you know, you saw a problem. You're building something to solve it. Give me some examples. Where's it working? What are the challenges that you've revealed by solving for this in, in, in the way you have? Well, uh, let's talk about the pain first, and, the, and that's the problems that we're doing. So so it used to be, uh, oh, okay, I post my job, and uh, oh, I'm not getting that many things. You know, like what you talk to your office about, I'm not getting that many applicants. Well, finally get some applicants. Okay, well, they're not qualified. Okay, and then they're qualified. Okay, now let's let's uh, make it so that they'll, they'll interview, and then less than 50% show up. And I, I don't know why for <laughs> – I, I don't think in our generation this happened, but there's a lot of no shows and no calls. Like people won't show up for interviews, but they don't even call to say that they're not going to show up, which is baffling to me. Like I would never do that. And uh, and then, well, now they finally interview and they ask for too much money, uh, even though it said some something else. And then, okay, well, they're finally qualified. They, they ask for the right amount of money. We get them hired and then they last a week and then they go away. And then, okay, now... We get them, they're hired, they're there for a while, and this just happened a few weeks ago. My staff tells me this one uh, uh, employee is watching Netflix on her phone during office hours. So there's so many parts of this process that gum up the system, and we've been able to streamline all of that. So now you you can schedule all the interviewing straight through the pro, uh, through through the uh, the platform. You can, uh, you know, I've had a hundred percent interview rate on on everybody that that I've done through the platform. I just had my first hire because we just launched the two point version uh, just last month, and uh, I have had my first hire through here. So, so the entire process is now just an easy button for hiring, and that that's the whole point. We just want to make it so ridiculously easy to hire that you don't have to think about that anymore. And instead, you can just take care of your patients. That's all we really want to do. We want to come up, come in, take care of our patients, make sure that everybody's happy and healthy and go home, you know? And so that's what it's about. Yeah. And that none of the chairs are squeaky and the annoy people in the waiting room. <laughs> yeah. So usually you put the TV on so they can't hear that, Matthew. So what, what <laughs> ring of hires, what's the website? Yeah. Ring of Again, Simpsons mall, best name ever. <laughs> All right. Paul Toomey is the CEO of the Florida Surgical Specialists um, and the CEO of Ring of Hires. I, I'm really impressed with what you've done. I, I don't think anyone hasn't been in a waiting room with a staff that is just like, you know, like pushing paper and not happy to be there. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the smaller practices, you really do need that personal touch and it's important to have morale and smiles, even when it's a bad day. I just remember the RateMyDoctor.com crapness from the 2000s. And, you know, the doctors were rated poorly because the, 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 the wait time was too long. That's not the reason to rate the doctor poorly. So I think you're on to some amazing things. And I'm excited to have introduced you to my audience. So thank you so much for hitting me up on LinkedIn and uh, making this connection. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Dr. Paul Toomey, folks, we'll see you next time on Out of Patience. Take care. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is an Offscript Health production. The executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. It's mixed and edited by Kyle Moore. If you like the show, ratings and reviews are always welcome. 
Leave us a message anytime at 855-AUDIO-66. That's 855-AUDIO-66 to share your healthcare shitness with us. And we might just play them on the air on a future episode. For more information about this show and Offscript Health, visit offscript.com. That's offscript, no T, dot com.